Hi everybody and welcome to Visible and Visuals, an online platform pushing to make animation and VFX industries more diverse and inclusive through open, honest conversation. We are committed to making the people behind the visuals more visible. My name is Tanya J. Scott. And I'm Hodan Abdi and we are the people behind the platform. Okay. Hi guys. Welcome How are you doing? to VIV. Uh, this is our second podcast on representation from a BAME slash person of colour perspective. And let's get the introduction started. Let's start with Ash. So hi, I'm Ash. Um, I work as a storyboard revisionist for Blinkink and I've been working in the 2D animation industry for about five years. Hi Ash. Riz? Uh, hey, I'm Riz. I'm an animator. Uh, I've worked in the industry for two years. Uh, I previously worked on Mr. Bean, the animated series, and I'm currently working on Daisy and Ollie. Beth? Hi, I'm Beverly. I'm currently a production manager at Studio AKA. Um, I was on The Amazing World of Gumball before, on Watership Down, and 101 Dalmatian Street before this. Hi. Hi, I'm Mohamed Arikon. I'm a 2D animator. Uh, I've been working in the industry about six years now, um, mainly series work, but some motion graphics as well. I'm up in Bristol at the moment on Jojo and Grand Grand. Esther. Hi, uh, my name is Esther Adjibadi. Um, I'm currently working at Blinking as a layer artist. Um, I previously worked on shows like Mr. Bean and Dave Spud uh yeah season two <laughs> um as a designer and yeah so that that's me based in london and watford mel hi i'm mel um i am a 3d journalist and visual effects artist um freelance i've been working all over london um we used to work at i was at sony for a few months uh last year but mostly i'm just all over the place just doing all kinds of like motion graphics and whatnot dimpy Hello, I am Bimpy Aliu. I'm an illustrator and concept artist, and I'm currently working at ILM in London. And Tanya. Hi everyone, I'm Tanya J. Scott. I am a 2D animation art director and illustrator based in London. And this is everybody. Hi guys, <laughs> welcome. Uh, let's um, just start it off just as quick as possible. <laughs> um, so the first question to you guys, how diverse is represent a re representation in animation? Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, I'd say it's, get, it's improving, but I think historically animation has been very, not been particularly diverse. I think um, considering that a lot of the animation we see gets made in America or the UK, um, it often represents quite a white and mostly male perspective, especially when it comes to an adult animation. Um, of course, it does depend really where the animation's coming from. For example, like Japanese animation is like a whole other thing, but I think for kids TV, which is something I specialize in, um, generally speaking, I, I, it's very rare to f find a perspective that isn't white um, and there's also issues regarding representation across genders, depending on age groups as well, which um, I know isn't the focus of this conversation, but um, obviously it does impact like who we see in animated content. Yeah, I think um, it's definitely gotten better over the years. 
like you said, Tanya, I was looking at a um, uh, website yesterday and it was showing me all the shows that were in the 90s and it's very heavily white dominated, um, especially it's mainly like fat, like family orientated, like uh, like Family Guy. Actually, Family Guy is kind of recent, but um, uh, like Ren and, I guess Ren and Stimpy, it's either like animals or it was, um, yeah, like more uh, that white characters um but i think uh, especially in uh, american tv they're kind of uh, being more diverse now um i guess that's kind of the good thing about shows companies like netflix um you know they're giving opportunity for people like us to be able to share our experiences a bit more um it's not so strict now i think yeah animation has been more um maybe a bit more respected as well. And that's why there's probably more stories coming through from different races, I think. Mel? Yeah, I'm, I, like looking back as a kid growing up, um, watching cartoons in America, I mean, there were only a couple I could even like really think of, I could be like, oh yeah, that's like a, you know, like I can see myself in these kind of shows, but like even then it was like as far and few between. I mean, like I had like, I think like The Proud Family and I think HBO used to have a series, I think Once Upon a Time in something, or it was like Once Upon a Time or something like that. I can't remember exactly, but it was just like retellings of like old traditional like fairy tale stories. But I remember like, the, I think they had like a story of um, like Rumpelstiltskin or, or, or what was it, Rapunzel. Her story was like, a, was like a, I think it was a black girl, you know, and she had like long black hair and she was like the main character, like that was awesome. You know, and you could like see all the, you could see like, you know, like some of this, I don't know who was actually working on it, but you know, those were like the only cartoons I saw when I was a kid that I could really see that was like only like black people like doing um, in them, but I don't know who, who would make it. If I told my friends about it, you know, they wouldn't have no idea what I was talking about. Bimpy? Yeah, just to echo what the others have said, to be quite honest, but also I think animation suffers from a lot of the same issues that live action does as well, in that when it does then come to um, having characters or usually just a character that is more diverse, whether that's racially or culturally or sexually, they tend to be... Um, the token within kind of the wider group of white characters and they tend to be quite st heavily stereotyped and then they become the one person who has to represent everything within that group um, you don't tend to find that that character just exists as a character they become well it has to be the black character it has to be the religious character it has to be the um like it's always there's always kind of a label that's heavily kind of stigmatized with the character as opposed to them just being able to exist um, on their own and have a story that just exists on their own that isn't heavily or solely based on what their background is. But again, I think it is something that is getting better, but I think there's still um, a long way to go. Mel? Yeah, I think, uh, just to echo, I feel like in the 90s, like that was when it was very rare to see like people of colours in cartoons that weren't stereotypes. And I think slowly since like the 2000s, there's been a, a lot more um, shows that, you know, had less stereotypes. The characters were more rounded. Um, they had personalities. They weren't just there for one-off jokes and stuff. Um, and I feel like nowadays um, companies are more willing to make stories centered around these people without it being like oh, okay 
they're black so the story has to be about them being black you know like you're getting characters who are just people in these stories as opposed to just like nothing more than their skin there's still a ways to go and there's not that many but like i mean i was watching archer earlier today and that's an american show but like there's one uh black character in the main cast and a lot of the jokes still stem around the fact that she's black or you know she's a, a big black strong woman and stuff um so there are there are it's still there's still negatives as well but i think like it's getting better um definitely in the last 10 years i feel like there's been major improvement Chris? going off of what esther was saying made me think like when i uh watched cartoons growing up like I, I I remember definitely like gravitating towards shows that um, had like animal characters in it, and I'm I'm thinking now maybe that's because there weren't uh, mo- there wasn't much good representation of non-white characters, so maybe I I saw these animal characters as whatever I wanted. So I feel like um, yeah, it wasn't very present back then, but I think recently definitely like. I'm seeing a lot of like American children's uh, cartoon series uh, definitely seem to be pushing for representation more. Um, but I think in my own work experience, it seems to still be quite safe and kind of lazy in that like, um, oh, uh, if we have a crowd shot, let's put a hijab on that character. They'll love that. Or like, you know, filling in a, skin color of a character to make them black or something but they are white uh, but they're still voiced by a white character so it definitely needs like um improving still but i think it's it's starting to get better mp sorry just to like pipe up again sorry it just reminded me of something actually because i know some of us have had this conversation um already but there are many times when when like a show or a film is stepping up to kind of say okay well we have this lead character that is going to be a person of color at least in in diverse sense that character very tends to have very little screen time where you actually see them they tend to be mysticized in some way whether or not they are turned into an animal or they're turned into an object so the actual screen time of seeing this diverse character is actually really really limited and the story again becomes revolved around this narrative that actually doesn't tell you much about them or get to actually really know that much about them so again you're removing in in attempting to be diverse you're still removing the opportunity for um other like other kids of color on various other kind of spectrums like you're removing the opportunity for them to actually still even see themselves because in doing so you're still kind of saying okay you can see yourself but just a little bit and in seeing that we're still going to kind of make you smaller in some shape or form you're still not going to get to be your whole self or your full self you have to be something else which in order in order for you to to be justified in being yourself that makes sense Beth um just echoing what everyone else is saying like you know uh I think maybe I'm in a slightly different position where I grew up in Malaysia so my childhood was in Malaysia but even on tv there you know like it was very clear that what was represented on TV were mostly like Japanese, like with anime, or like Koreans or uh, not, not really technically, you know, like Southeast Asians or, um, uh, or, you know, just the rest of the rest of Asia or something. And, um, and, and then coming here to the West, I think you see a lot of 
uh, people of color represented maybe more on TV now these days, but they're still sidekicks. They're not main characters. And like Bimpy was saying, you know, they're not, even, even when they are, they're on, they're, they don't have a lot of screen time or on Steven Universe, they're aliens. Yes, they're coded, but they're still like, you know, they're aliens or um, something else. Ash? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, yeah, kind of adding to what Bev was saying about um, like anime, for example. I think as a kid, uh, when I was watching TV, I wouldn't really be able to see myself in a lot of Western shows because maybe there'd be like one Asian character. Although I do remember like in the early 2000s, there was a Jackie Chan um, animated series. Um, but mostly, like, I think <laughs> where I um, sort of looked to try and find myself was more so an anime like thinking about like Dragon Ball was on Toonami and because the characters had like dark hair dark eyes that's where I was like okay I can kind of see myself in them I'm not Japanese I'm half Chinese but it was the closest thing I could get so it was never quite for me personally like I couldn't see myself in really any shows except maybe occasionally as like a side character like on like say like Futurama or Simpsons uh and that's kind of it yeah so I'd, I'd say it's getting better for sure like there's a lot more I think there's a lot more conversation around it um, and there's a, I think there's a growing sort of consciousness among like the wider public so it's kind of going beyond just conversations that maybe people of colour would have among themselves to something that maybe executives are starting to take notice of which is good because <laughs> it's, been, it's been a long time coming. So there is a, a lack of representation and I can hear from all your examples but is there an impact to not having representation on the TV screens and animation, especially in kids' animation? Um, also, just how did the lack of representation affect you guys growing up and now working in the industry and seeing it continue on? Mo? I remember growing up and watching Recess, which only had one black main character in it, uh, Vince, he was the basketballer and I remember thinking as a kid, if I don't get into sports, I'm kind of there's no point, because I couldn't be any of the other characters I wasn't TJ, I wasn't Gus, I wasn't any of those guys, the only one I could visually see that I was close to was Vince, and I wasn't good at basketball, contrary to stereotypical belief, so it's like, do I fit in in this? And I, I vividly remember that. I must have been in like year five or year six. And it's like that kind of stuff that sticks with you. You go to school or like we'd be in school and it's like we play, oh, we'd be like, let's play Dragon Ball Z and you choose a character from Dragon Ball to be or something. And it's like no black kid wants to be Mr. Popo, you know, that's just terrible. So it's like you either, for people who don't know, sorry, Mr. Popo is basically a genie that looks like blackface. So it's like growing up as a kid and you're seeing this chubby genie with coded blackface and it's like, that's basically how you're a black person is represented there. And like, it just, you know, with, with the lack of representation, it's just sometimes you, you it's almost like you feel embarrassed because it's like, oh, why am I not in this show? There's a reason, you know, like all these cool kids, all these fun adventures they go on, they're usually like these white kids, like especially in the 90s, like backwards caps and stuff like that. And it's like, I'm, I'm definitely not that at all. And it just, it makes you sad. It, it really, it really has an effect on you. And I don't think people realize how much 
that sticks with you when you're when you're growing up as a teenager and stuff and you're not that image because it's just been um, drilled into you since you were a child that you have to look this way you have to act this way to have any sort of value um yeah yeah it's 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 horrible it's tough mel um yeah it's 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 pretty uh it's pretty rough i mean while i was growing up I grew up in like a white town in America in like an English household. So like I was not only like different from this, like the color of my skin, but like, you know, nationality was just like, you know, I still had different tendencies that were, you know, you sometimes just get like made fun of for certain things, you know, but like, you know, watching any show, like seeing like how, like, like, First of all, I wouldn't see any, like, it was hard to see, like, black people in shows. Like, I mean, like, I rewatched Mighty Ducks recently, and, you know, even though it's live action, you know, they had, like, one black character, I think, in, like, the second one, you know? And, you know, he's, he's all right, but he's, you don't really get that much, you know? And then, like, when you see how, like, British people are, so, uh, are treated in, like, American media as well, so then you have, like, this, like, complete, like, they, the, the, um, it's like they're, they're taking like white English culture and portraying it on a character. And so like when they're in America, when they do that to me, they're like putting like white English culture on me as a black man. Cause they don't even know that, you know, there's so many different kinds of cultures over here. Like it's always the same. So like having those like multiple like issues are compounding. You just like, it's like really kind of stressful environment to, to be a kid. And you're like, you know, it doesn't feel so bad when you're a kid, but when you grow up and you look back and you're just like, damn, like, you know, it was always, always kind of stressful. Um, and like, also being not American in like the African-American community was also a bit tough because they, they would just make fun of you for being African. You know, there's like a whole another level to that. And like, you're not going to see that in shows. You're not going to see that in cartoons. No one, I've never seen anything that has to deal with anything like that on TV, really, um, at a young age. So it's just kind of something you, you kind of, learn how to deal with yourself you know and you, it's kind of a shame because there's so many shows for so many other like kids that can just like they can just watch and be like, oh i can relate to that and like here's all the life lessons you need from there even though you know it's still a cartoon they can still relate to it a lot more than i can i could so ash yeah like, adding to um what mel and mo are both saying like i think um growing up if you see yourself only presented as like a stereotype or as something kind of demeaning or embarrassing like you do it does begin to affect your self-confidence especially when you're a kid you know you're looking to media as a way to sort of understand yourself and maybe see what you can potentially grow up to be and all that but and if you're only seeing these portrayals that are demeaning and um, embarrassing to be associated with you end up becoming embarrassed about who you are and especially about your race um, and I think for myself like um whenever I saw a character, you know, an Asian character with a strong accent and, you know, that was the point of like why that character was comical, like because of their accent, I'd get really embarrassed um, at any association with that because I'm, a, I'm biracial. So some people don't immediately know that I'm mixed race and I'm you know, half Chinese. And when they'd find out that my mum was Chinese, I'd immediately be like, oh, but she doesn't have an accent. You know, she has a very English accent. I'd immediately sort of jump to defend that and and thinking back on it, it's like it's because I was embarrassed about potentially being made fun of because of that. And it just it's definitely thinking about thinking back on it, it really is quite sad to know that that's how I felt about myself. Um 
And on top of it affecting like, you know, everybody who's being represented, it also affects the attitudes of other people. Like, because, I mean, ideally everybody would have real relationships and experiences with ethnic minorities. But for some people, media is where they learn how to treat others and how they learn about others. And so the stories that they see on screen fill that vacuum, you know, where those relationships would be. And um, obviously if you see enough negative uh, portrayals, like, you know, minorities portrayed as jokes or as like um, bad character, like, you know, just villains, straight up villains. Um, it does start to affect how people treat you as well. So um, yeah, it's like, there's, there's so many impacts. And I don't think a lot of people realize how far that goes. Anya? Um, actually, I actually just mentioned, said basically what I was gonna say, but the fact that I think a lot of people don't realize how much it hurts somebody's self-esteem and how valid you feel as a person, um, but also how it shapes other people's opinions of you. A lot of the sort of racist abuse, well, we could say abuse, but teasing that I got from peers growing up. I mean, I know where they got those ideas from and, you know, why they assume these things about my mum, who's also Chinese. Um, and I think... Um, I mentioned this briefly on the other panel, but I think, you know, it it's about giving us like a human face as well. Like it, it, it makes us less human. It makes us like the other. And it does have an impact like all the way through into your adult life and how you deal with it and how other people look at you. So I think it really needs to be taken seriously. And I think, you know, what I find really interesting about hearing everybody saying like, you know, which character can I associate with? Um, just wanted to briefly mention that Ash and I were talking privately and we were talking about whether or not we could think of any Asian characters in animation. And I, we were talking about recess as well. And we thought, I, when I was younger, I was sure the girl in that was Asian. I just assumed she was East Asian. And um, I Googled it and she's Italian. I, you know, I had no idea. I was convinced that she was like me. And I, obviously that's just something I've projected onto that character because I really needed that. I needed somebody who was part of a friendship group who wasn't a stereotype and could be an interesting character without just relying on her race all the time. Um, so, you know, I think definitely there's obviously a need for this and obviously it has a really negative impact on children who watch this stuff. Bimpy? Yeah, again, like um, Tanya and Ash have mentioned it, like I think... Um, people, um, non-people of colour very much take for granted the impact that this, that this lack of representation has and what those stereotypes create. Like, I know I used to, when I was growing up, I used to avoid playing those kind of games of like, okay, you'll be this character, you'll be that character, because you just knew by the time it got round to you, you would end up being the token character, the token black character in that show who was portrayed in a certain way. So I used to shy away from that a lot. And that had a, but that also had a really negative impact in terms of how I would view myself how and I've had a conversation about this with quite a few friends um black female friends about how we began to feel ashamed of our race ashamed of how we look like ashamed of how our hair was because it was never portrayed in any way that was possible there was um positive there wasn't anybody that we saw on tv animation or live action wise that was representative of who we were and anybody that was portrayed it was always in a negative sense it was always that their skin color was at a detriment to who they were their hair was something that was completely ignored or it had to be it had 
to be straight, to be viewed as professional, all those kinds of things. And the psychological impact that that has on you as a, ch- as a child growing up, again, it's something that is so taken for granted. Um, a few years ago, I remember watching, I think it was The Secret Life of um, Five-Year-Olds and that entire series that they had on Channel 4 of different ages of kind of kids and toddler and they'd put them, they'd put them in like a nursery for like a day or something and they, or a week and they would observe their behaviour. And in one of the episodes, they came across about three or four children who were playing um, terrorists versus civilians. And they were acting it out in these kind of ways. And they'd asked, and one of the children who was darker skinned, they'd automatically said that child was a child that had to be the terrorist. So these were like five-year-olds, four, five-year-olds. And um, when the teachers were watching it back and their parents, they were like, oh, wow, like we don't know where they got that from. And the teachers were like, well, are they with you like in the early evenings? They're like, yeah, but I'm just sitting and watching the news. And you're like, well, that's where they're getting it from. Of course, that's where they're getting it from. They're sitting and they're taking in the same things that you're taking in. They're hearing all these key words and they're very, very quickly associating those things into the narrative that's being spun. And they're walking back out into the world and associating that with the other people that they see, regardless of if they know those people or understand, all they see based off of what they've seen on the television is that person who is of darker skin to me is being labeled as this or is this. Therefore, when I go back out into the world, even if I'm playing at it, that's the role that I'm going to associate with that person. So again, and but even their, and their parents didn't understand, as I said, like from the beginning, that that's where their kids have got it from. So again, it's clear that people aren't in understanding the implications and they're taking for granted how much kids absorb from a really, really early age and how we are in, able to mirror that in, for, in our own kind of perspectives onto other people and also onto ourselves. And it's, it's, it can be really, really damaging. It is really, really damaging. And it can take a lot of unsocializing to kind of try to rectify that. And I know for myself, it's taken a long time for me to work out of a lot of those bad habits based off of a lot of the poor representation that was out there, the poor and unjust representation that was out there. And it's taken a lot to kind of reaffirm within myself that like, I am enough. I'm like, I love my skin color. I love who I am, like all those kinds of things, because there wasn't anything on TV that was showing me otherwise. And so a lot of us um, have to relearn that essentially. And I used to watch Daria, sorry, I'll wrap up in a second, I promise. But I used to watch Daria growing up and it wasn't until I rewatched it like a few times recently, like in my older years, that there was like, there's only like two um, black characters in it. Um, and they're a couple, but like the female character, Jodie, she is, um, she's got braids, she's like class valedictorian and she's really sarcastic and she's just really cool. And they have her constantly kind of, well, not constantly, but like she has a story, she has a narrative that's outside of her race and about being her race. And there are times where they do bring in race but she's the one that's always kind of saying, why does it have to be this stereotype of this, that and the other? When people bring up something that's like racially regarded, she's kind of always there with a sarcastic comment or to raise the fact that like, well, it's only been brought about because of her race. And it wasn't until like I was older that I was just like, yeah, like what, where is, where are like the Jodies in terms of other animated TV series? Like where are like these kind of characters that are kind of calling out the fact that they have to be the token and calling out the fact that their portrayal is usually one that is tokenized or stereotypical and yeah <laughs> i love that show um just to like expand on what i said earlier like um yeah growing up i i didn't see myself very often in like cartoons and stuff that i watched so i 
I think it wasn't even on purpose. I think I just naturally gravitated, gravitated towards like stuff with like creatures or animals more because I felt like that they were easier to see myself in. So like in Dragon Ball Z, my favorite character was Piccolo. Like I liked the Ninja Turtles. I liked like Sonic and stuff like that. Um, the only really big um, brown character, I guess, that people knew of was Apu. And like his whole thing is he's associated with cheapness. So growing up, you're, you're always getting comments like, I don't know, you might just be doing something small, like re like uh, re uh, reusing a piece of paper for something else. And then you'll be called a cheapskate. And it's like, is that really being a cheapskate? Am I like, am I like you just, you, you second think all the actions that you do because of these things that people learn on TV. And I think that's, that's like the impact that poor represent, representation has. Like when people don't have members of these cultures within their lives, they get them from the piece of media that they watch, um, which are usually offensive or placed in uh, less importance. So that's just what they're gonna believe their whole lives. And it kind of scares me actually, like what if, if like this is what they're getting from TV, then is this that what they're gonna pass on to like their kids and it's just not gonna end and uh, yeah. <laughs> Beth? This reminded me of a story that my friend told me when he did a film representation class back at university. And this was only like, you know, still very recent, maybe about six years ago or so. And teacher, the lecturer had come in and asked the class like, okay, so write down like 10 traits about yourself, uh, you know, whatever it is, it just doesn't matter, it can be anything. And then after, you know, after like 30 seconds or so, she'd asked the class, um, so how many people uh, wrote down that they were Scottish? Because this is in a Scottish university. And um, maybe, you know, quite a few people wrote down, yeah, I'm Scottish. They had all their hands. Then um, she asked, how many people wrote down that you were black? And then the one black guy in the class, and he didn't mind being singled out. He, like, he, he laughed and he said, yeah, that's me. And now, he's, now she asked, how many people wrote down that they were white? And I think, like, to that point, what everyone's saying is that on TV so far, our skin color essentially becomes the personality trait, becomes the character. And that's, that's not what we want to see on screen. We want to see, like, you know, a whole person that's, that's just us, that's not just our skin color. Jackie Chan is cool and is, like, martial artist, you know, and stuff like that. But it's really cool, but that's not just who we are. So I know you all have mentioned watching... Oh, no. Bimpy? Oh, Esther? Anyone? <laughs> Jump in, either or. Esther? Yes. Hello. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, growing up, there wasn't that many. Uh, when I think about Rugrats, I used to watch Rugrats a lot. Um, there was Susie, and I guess, like, she was quite a cool character, but at the same time, I guess she was kind of, like, the kind of opinionated uh, black female in Rugrats. Um, and when I think about Recess, there's one black girl who's in one of the, I think the, um, like the cool girl collective and she's like always at the background. And I think I sort of associated myself with like not being the main character, always kind of like kind of silencing myself a little bit and like not wanting to be that angry black girl as well. So trying to get my opinions across sometimes I think I'm still trying to learn how to speak up for myself like um one of my friends said to me that I was uh too nice the other day and 
and I think it kind of comes from the fact that I never want to um, come across as like aggressive um, so I'm kind of learning that I need to um, not because I need to learn that I have opinions as well and also that my opinions doesn't mean that I'm become across as aggressive it's like my aggressiveness or my opinions is like how like how I can express myself so um, I'm still trying to learn that from growing up and I think in terms of like friendship groups like I grew up in like predominantly like white area so a lot of the times I was the token black girl um, and I find that I was um, people kind of like forgot about me so I was always kind of like in the background um, and I think um, when I think about wanting to dress up as a character the growing up um, in like nursery time I think or like reception I dressed up as Jasmine because at the time like she was the only apart from Pocahontas like she was probably the only like person of colour that I could relate to so um, it is good that um, I guess there is the girl from Princess and the Frog um, and it was nice to see like black girls like dressing up as her but again like she turns into a frog like majority of the film um, so yeah I think yeah, that's pretty much it. My upbringing of animation, it definitely takes a toll on like your mentality and how you like walk across the world <laughs> and how you like, um, I guess almost like censor yourself so you don't become like the stereotype because you're like kind of so paranoid about it. MP? Yeah, I'll just say quickly, um, I hope I'm quick, um, just, yeah, completely like following on from what Esther said, like um, in terms of Rugrats, yeah, Susie's character, came off as like the they had her be the sassy black female mm -hmm. and again like um uh the other character I think she was in like the Ashley's the Ashley's group in recess mm -hmm. like yeah she had to um be she was always kind of like silent and I think again that perpetuates the idea mm -hmm. of a lot of us are forced to be lesser than ourselves and are forced to become quieter almost and and change our voices in order to be perceived in a way that is not threatening because live action and animation has historically shown us especially males and um, to be quite threatening or violent in some shape or form and again people take those ideas out into the world and so again thinking about like um, how that has translated in terms of what Riz said as how that's carried over and how it's passed through generations which it constantly is those ideas and those narratives are constantly passed over passed over passed over which is why we still have these same issues which is why we still have to have these kind of discussions and do these kind of talks because it's still happening because these ideas are still being passed along um, thinking about like bands and music um, thinking about the Spice Girls being like one of the biggest groups in the world it had to be that the only um, person of colour in that group um, who also happened to be black had to be scary Spice she had to be the loud bombastic sassy animalistic character she had to her hair had to represent this whole kind of like wildness despite it just being her natural hair in its natural state but those weren't things that were championed and again if you were the black girl and you were playing Spice Girls well you had to be you had to be scary Spice on account of being black not on account of anything else like you could have the complete opposite personality to what scary Spice was um, having to portray but you would still be scary spice and I know um, I think Melanie Brown was still kind of I think she is just naturally anyway like quite out there in general but again like having her always in animal print again there's that historic and um, kind of view of black women being animalistic in some shape or form less than human and even just things like that which seem so 
subtle so we think that seems so innocent because they're a they're a girl band those in themselves have a massive impact because it couldn't be that the black character could have been posh spice no way she couldn't be baby spice she's not allowed to be cute in that shape or form like it, she has to be scary spice and those views again that cycle continues 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 yeah. yeah so going off of what um Bim, is it Bimpy? Sorry, is that how you pronounce? Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm wearing a leopard print right now. And for years, like, I have always been like, I don't like leopard print. Like, I'm never going to wear it because I don't want to be associated with an animal print. And then I guess, like, recently, maybe last year, it sort of came into fashion. So I've, like, this is, I guess, like, I'm still kind of conflicted about how I feel about wearing a leopard print. And going on um, in terms of, like, the avatar um the with the blue people i guess um it's weird how with that their kind of appearance is kind of based on black culture as well which I always found a bit interesting like why is it the ones that are the outsiders are always kind of based on like black kind of culture rather than well we know why but <laughs> I just found that really fascinating but yeah animal print is uh, definitely one of them but still like <laughs> Tanya sorry um just to pick up on a few of those things like I think um first of all I think that's that's a really important point that Bimpy made because I think we are talking about animation now but I think we have to understand that this is coming from multiple places and it comes from multiple industries and music and toy industry as well play a massive part in this um it just made me remember this um when i was little i was i was desperate i, I didn't ever play with barbies like often i had mostly like disney toys but like, i really wanted they had the special edition barbies from around the world and i was desperate to have the chinese barbie because i thought finally like there's going to be a barbie that looks like me i cannot wait this is really so great and she arrived in the post, and I've actually still got her upstairs because every time I look at her, I laugh. Um, she looks exactly the same as regular Barbie, but she has black hair. And I was like, oh, and brown eyes. They've painted her eyes brown. Um, there is nothing about her facial features that are remotely Asian, like, at all. And I remember sort of seeing it and being like, you know, and it does have an impact on you. You look at that and you think, well, if this is the standard of beauty, like, no matter where you're, you're from in the world, I have to look like a a white girl basically that's that's kind of what you're telling children um and if you don't look like that you have no value and you should do everything you can to fit into that mold um so it doesn't just come from from tv it comes from lots of different places but Bimpy also mentioned very briefly there that you know a lot of these ideas and stereotypes you know we're talking about things that happened in the 90s things we grew up with but they are still very prevalent today like you know we mentioned soul which is a similar premise to princess and the frog i mean it's, it's got a black man as a lead character and then he turns into a ghost that, like probably instantaneously i haven't seen the film but pretty soon into it um and then i mean like i always have a really big issue with isle of dogs i know people will come for me but it is so grounded in this white saviour BS but I just cannot <laughs> I cannot watch it without getting very angry it's a beautiful film as an animator I completely appreciate that the stop motion's gorgeous the animators are very talented all that but 
people who, you know, and I raised this point actually when it got released on Twitter and some people didn't like that I said this. They got very offended by it, people who worked on it. Um, you know, the fact that every East Asian character in that, you don't actually understand anything they say unless it's dubbed over by an American person. Um, everything they say is just not of value to the story. It's, it's irrelevant. And then all the main characters, who are all dogs, are voiced by white people. The same Wes Anderson cast we always get. And, you know, <laughs> the Japanese people in it are just presented as too stupid to come up with a plan by themselves. They have to have a white American exchange student come and show them the way, which is ultimately don't be mean to dogs because that's what we all do in East Asia, of course. You know, so and that, that film was only out, what was it, five years ago? Something like that. Um, so these films are happening and I, I think like, you know, obviously we are seeing some positive, positive films being made, like Spider-Verse is absolutely fantastic. That time something like that got made, you know, something modern and representative of probably what more children will look like in the coming years. But we have got a long way to go and I don't want anyone who's listening to this to think like this got left behind in the 90s because it's, we're still kind of doing it. Um, yeah. No. Uh, just because what something Tanya said just reminded me. It's like, yeah, a lot of people of colour in films or TV shows, they usually have a white counterpart. They'll use, so the person of colour will usually be the sidekick or if they're the main character, they've got a counterpart that is usually white. And it's like, you're never, you're never enough alone. You know, you always like, oh, can I be the leader? No, you can't. You need someone there with you or you need someone to make the decisions. And then maybe, you know, you're the smart person on the side or you can have that one moment of glory, but most of it goes towards the other person. And like, you know, growing up, that would shatter your confidence. You can't, you, you like, can I make these decisions? Can, can I really like, do I need to run this by someone else or like, is my self-esteem enough? Am I enough for myself or something? And like, yeah, when Tanya was talking about Isles of Dogs, it, it just reminded me like, yeah, there's still like a ton of films today that still do that. Like they might champion the fact that, yeah, we've got a black lead or we've got, we've got a person of color in this film and they're going to be represented like um, authentically. But then it's like, what you're not hearing is, but they're also going to be partnered with this. And like for most of the film or most of the show, they're probably not going to be in that role that you think they are. You know, it's going to be given to this other person and stuff like that. And yeah, it's just, it's still something that happens today. Still annoying. Esther? I'm going back to what Beverly was saying about like, just reminding me about university and like pitching. Um, so I guess like because of growing up in a predominantly like white area, um, a lot of the times I didn't really draw a lot of white characters, I mean I didn't draw a lot of um, black characters or Asian characters and when pitching for university, um, everyone has the chance to do it at, at Bournemouth. Um, I wanted to do it but I was trying to think of like, I remember thinking like oh I don't want to be I don't want to draw um, like a black story because I don't want to be like the black person that draws the black story. Um, and then I think I just did like a generic, like, I can't, it wasn't very good. I think it was based off a Peter Pan thing, which, you know, that's just like a, a reboot technically. <laughs> um, 
I can't I think it was to do with like mental health or something but I remember like thinking that and that really technically isn't that long ago what university is like eight years ago for me now so like I'm still and like the stories that I want to tell now um are like the main character is is a black character um and I'm not like I guess it's like coming like with kind of with shame like um in terms of like yeah just feeling like oh because I am a black person like I I do feel like some sort of I do feel response uh, responsibility to like um, show all of these stories as well and I think I'm more proud of doing that now whereas back then I think I was still kind of like very aware of my surroundings so yeah it still takes an impact on you like as an adult as a teenager um yeah Mel I still kind of had that um that same kind of mindset I mean you know all the characters I used to make when I was a kid in high, in like middle school and whatever like you know, in a white neighborhood, like all of my characters were based off of my friends and they'd either be like animals or like white characters. And, you know, when you draw the same characters for years and you, you know, you just build them up, like it was only like recently I realized like, oh damn, like all of my characters are like white people, you know? And, you know, as you grow older, you, you know, you get, you, you, you make different friends, you go through different walks of life. And I haven't really, I stopped basing my, my characters off real people because I learned how to like draw, you know, I get like reference and, you know, she doesn't have to, just learn how to draw properly. But, you know, I'm looking at my stuff. I'm just like, all of my characters are white. God damn. You know, and it's just like, that's a product of, you know, the entire, the entire system being like, you know, pushing you down that, down that route. Like, you know, and you end up being like a soldier of that mentality and like pushing that kind of stuff. It's like, it's like, you know, you don't even, you have to like, like literally like, like, sit down and just like do some serious self-reflection even just to make sure that you're like on the right path you know it's just like it's like just such an intense like every day is just so intense and just trying not to have to figure all the stuff out it's like it's like you know i just want to break you know <laughs> so i'm gonna do a little bit of leaping around here but i hope that it all like ties <laughs> together in the way that it does in my mind um but same as like Esther and Mel, I always used to draw white characters because that's all that I was seeing. And so that's kind of just the narrative that I just started to tell was always through an attempted kind of like white narrative. And when I did start making, when I kind of started noticing that, because it was the same with reading, whenever I was reading a book, I would automatically assume that the character was white. And it was until I read it in an article somewhere that like, well, yeah, why do we all assume the character's white? I was like, wait a second now. And now whenever I'm reading, unless it is overtly stated otherwise, I do just now imagine all my characters to be black or other people of colour because I'm bored of just, um, it all just having to be a white narrative and I'm bored of only white people being allowed to be in space. <laughs> like, why can't anybody else go to space and have sci-fi stories um, as a fan of sci-fi? So I'm just like, come on now. <laughs> but it, it took me a while to get used to and feel comfortable, again, like as Esther was saying, with creating other characters, especially like black characters, and to not automatically be labeled like oh well she's just doing a black character because of this because of that and then I thought about it and I was just like well that person's only doing a white character and they're white but nobody says that you're only creating this white character and you're white so why should I have to feel like that in terms of creating the characters that I'm choosing to create and the stories that go to creating that so this is where I'm going to then make a leap and a jump um, ever so slightly in terms of so a lot of where again a lot of these ideas come from and the idea of like, and when I was talking about Channel 4 Secret Life of like five-year-olds and ingesting ideas when we're younger and that it becoming this cycle because we pass it on, pass it on, pass it on. So this is a bit of a weird caveat, but um, it's only like recently in like the last four, five years that 
flesh colored has stopped meaning white. Usually like flesh colored plasters, flesh colored tights, anything that was labeled flesh colored was always white skin tone. It was never any, it didn't represent anybody else. When I used to still wear makeup and when I used to, especially when it was Mac makeup, I used to, I ordered from them for a while and then I ordered some samples despite being a customer with them for like three or four years. The samples they sent me were all of a white skin tone samples, despite having been a customer for four years. And I'm not, and I know that work is difficult, like for everyone and everyone's got loads of stuff to do. But that again, gives you a sense of the idea of where people are constantly, where their, their head is at. And that is usually that white is of the norm. And so that cycle again continues when in TV and animation and in film, white is always of the norm. That's therefore what filters out into other things like clothes, makeup, Barbies, like that becomes the norm. And one of the issues then also part of that is there is because there is nobody in the room to say otherwise. There is nobody else in the room to kind of say, wait a second, have you considered this? Have you thought about this? So when people are attempting to tell or create characters of colour, it's all usually it's all white males that are creating these characters. There was nobody in the room to tell them otherwise, like, okay, well, actually, that's offensive, that's stereotypical, and that bleeds into the wider issue as to why there is nobody else in the room, because, again, we're not seeing ourselves represented in these spaces that, for various reasons, we don't feel like we can enter these spaces or we're not being given the opportunity to enter these spaces to change the narrative, to, to give a different narrative, and, in some cases, not being allowed into those spaces. So, again, that's how that cycle continues, but yeah it is getting better and uh, having doing these kind of things these panels these talks these discussions are forcing other people to have these discussions and to be made aware of the fact that like this has always been wrong it was never right to begin with and this is the wider impact that it has and that it continues to have and why it's so important for us to be in the room for us to kind of have junior roles mid roles senior roles upper level roles so we can make sure that we are in those spaces calling things out when we see it and letting people know that this has never been acceptable in the first place Bev? Sorry, Bimpy just said everything that I was going to say anyway. <laughs> but in that, in that, in that um, story that my friend uh, told me about film representation and that little exercise, I think the point of that exercise was basically saying exactly what Bimpy was saying is that really the default is that that person is white, unless specifically stated otherwise in a book or whatever. Um, you would always the the norm is white. That's all. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's okay. Talking about white being the just go-to, um, let's talk about other industries, other countries. Um, how does it differ in comparison to the British animation industry? We'll go Mel, straight away. Um, well, I would say that... It I guess it determines, like, it, it depends on, like, the history and whatnot. I mean, like, I personally can't say for too many other countries. Like, yeah, you know, I would talk, I can talk about America, because I grew up there. I can talk about England, because I'm from here. Um, I guess I can talk about anime a bit, but, like, their history and, like, representation is, like, it's, well, if I'm talking about, like, black, black class, cause I don't want to, like, just speak for everybody, but, like, if I'm talking about, like, you know, in Japan, like, you know, the, their relationship with, with black culture is, like, completely different than, like, the relationship you have in the West. And then also, you know, Asian representation in, in America is completely different than, like, you know, represent, how representation would be in over there. 
Yeah, it's, I guess it's different when it comes to like different countries, and like you know, you have to look at how the country has like associated with certain races, and like, you know, like you know, Africa. How how is like countries in Africa doing with animation? Like you know, that I I don't know. I've I haven't I don't know like how how um like I know there's a lot more studios down there, but I don't know like how they're handling race because I I would assume that most of the characters that they'd be animated would be black. It's just a case of like who gets to see it, you know, like how how much exposure does it get. So that's all I got on that. Esther? Yeah, so um, I was only recently finding out, probably about two years ago, that um, there's like animation companies in Jamaica and in Africa. Like, I guess for some reason, I just assumed that they wouldn't be doing animation over there. But um, I know that there's a couple, couple of animation studios and they tend to base on black characters um, and it's more like uh, preschool like um, and explores like their culture um, but apart from that I don't know like much about um, yeah animations from different countries. Anya? Um, yeah so my my mum's from Singapore like I mentioned before and um, we when I used to go and visit my mum's mum like there'd be a lot of Indian TV on on the screen um so I don't I actually think historically there hasn't actually been much else being made outside of the west and the west being England France um or UK France um Russia and America um, and Japan. I, I, I just, I don't think there has been much really because it's such an expensive format that probably it's been kind of like at the back of the list. Like for example, I know Singapore in recent years has really been picking up the pace with the creative arts, but for a long time it had been neglected and there hadn't actually been much to do with animation or even film. Um, but that seems to be shifting. Um, but I think a lot, like Mel was saying, like a lot of us grew up watching Japanese um, animation and I think like like you know like it's, it's great so much of it is great but um, Ash and I have spoken about this as well and um, this kind of attitude then that we inherit in the west where we romanticize Japan and I get a lot of people particularly like white people telling me like Japan is the most perfect place Japan is like the best place to be in the world. Japan is just such got such a great history. And like if you're like especially like like being ethnically Chinese and having having family in Singapore or like coming from anywhere else in Asia, like if you're Korean or something, that is gonna be like some of the most hard the hardest thing for you to hear because Asia's we we in the West are not educated about Asia's rep Asia's relationship internally there like we don't understand like what japan and korea have issues with <laughs> we, we just see what's on tv and we just assume like it's got to be like the most peaceful cleanest place everyone there must be lovely yeah i'm not saying japanese people aren't lovely before somebody writes in or tells me off but there is a it, it, it does skew people's opinions and I think you know everybody writes stories um, to make themselves look good and that's natural and that's normal but we have to remember that that is where this content comes from and that's how we are un understanding these stories and 
we have to remember like who is telling the story like what agenda do they have you know like all the stuff we've been watching growing up where we've been told that white people are superior to us essentially um it's the same like probably everywhere you go um so i you know and you know there are fewer like south asians and, and black people in japan so it's going to make sense that the representation isn't going to be great i think it is improving um i say that like maybe tentatively but like things like carol on tuesday even though the designs are pretty um you know iffy i don't know that you would have a black female lead in an anime 20 years ago i don't think that would have happened um so i think it's it's getting better um but definitely if we're talking japanese animation it probably has quite a ways to go Briss? uh for me in terms of like uh the areas of animation that i'm familiar with i guess i'm only really familiar with like american japanese and british um i think with like american animation they have their like formulas of stereotypical um representation like when like they're they'll include a lot of um other cultures but usually as side characters as jokes like they have their like uh like Mexicans, like thing is the sombrero and the maracas and stuff, or like an Asian is the straw hat with nose martial arts, or you know Indians are cheap. Like they have their formulas that they always do, and they're in most American cartoons. Um, for like Japanese, like it's either just Japanese characters or white characters. Um, like I feel like you don't see much um, inclusion of other cultures and races in their stuff, but when they are, it's like extremely racist. Um, like as a as a big fan of Japanese animation, it's always disappointing to see how how like um, like they still uh, have the the blackface caricature in in shows now. Um, I, I, it's, it's probably a whole conversation about like whether it's ignorance or racist, but I think like they sh it's pretty unbelievable that like um, they're doing it without realizing that they're at least poking fun at a culture's appearance. So, and, and I think like British animation, I think from what I've seen, it's pretty just like safe. Like it's just like in the background like there's there's a black person like they're not usually the main characters very often um it's just kind of like we'll include them to tick the boxes kind of thing mp um yeah just like first i just want to say like what tiny said actually gave me shivers because it did actually kind of remind me that like yeah like when um as as viewers of um kind of like animated shows that are coming from other places in the world we also we need to be very careful and aware ab about romanticizing certain cultures as a result of what we are seeing on these in these shows because without knowing the history but especially between japan and south korea like as like as was said it's to go 
to suddenly romanticize all of Japan despite not knowing about the history that other countries and other cultures have had with it. We need to kind of be careful in those aspects and at least understand, as Mel said, that there is, there's such cultural differences that will have an impact on the shows that we're watching. And I think it's a good idea to at least have an understanding of it before kind of saying, well, this means that this is the best, blah, 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 that kind of thing. And, but also kind of thinking about Nigerian animation because um, I'm Nigerian. And that's something that's an industry that is growing a lot. But again, I think, um, as Esther kind of pointed out, like many people aren't necessarily aware that it's an industry that exists in this space. So whereas we romanticize certain other cultures because historically we've seen um, output from there quite frequently, we just make the assumption that nowhere else is doing it. So Africa can't be making animation because they're this country, because Children in Need tells us that they're always poor, this, that and the other. So again, that narrative is spun in different ways that allows us to view certain parts of the world as being incapable of doing certain things. But it's definitely an industry that is growing but it is one because when you talk about like racism at least within Nigeria it's not actually something that really exists in such that it's, it is very much a western thing where you have um where it's uh black white Asian kind of you know across the board but in places like Nigeria what's more of an issue is colorism and that has come about for like various reasons but one of those reasons would have been colonialism and the history of west like western racism that has had a massive impact on countries like Nigeria and then concepts surrounding colorism and therefore being fairer skinned or lighter skinned puts you as um in better standing as being darker skinned that kind of thing so there is a lot of narrative um that's spun within that but in terms of like the animation that's kind of coming out of Nigeria at the moment in terms of 3D and 2D what I'm finding is that they are as a result of it being different narratives finally different narratives being told in different stories and Nigeria is rich in terms of history is rich in terms of um cultural context and cultural stories that can be told because these creators are being out, given the boundment to tell these stories they were seeing just like a, they're just different stories that are being told it's not the usual thing that we see this person likes that person etc etc we can tell what's going to happen I'm finding that it's the narratives are completely different the stories go somewhere that I wouldn't necessarily expect the kinds of characters that we're seeing aren't as predictable as we would find um, that we see in Western animation, just even the look and the feel of them are different, like the amount of the types of colours that are being used, the type of dialogue that's being used, not being afraid to kind of go in to, to do certain stories. And I think, again, that's the importance of having diverse stories in animation and in live action, because it allows you to tell a different kind of story from what we're used to seeing. It allows you to explore different kinds of narratives on a deeper level, instead of it just being surface, instead of it just being one type of story being constantly told. No. Cool, yeah, I was just gonna, I was just gonna go on about um, um, animation in Japan um, and just anime in general. I just, I think, uh, in the Western world, especially in the UK, uh, one of the most known characters from anime that could possibly be black is probably Brock from Pokemon. And I remember as a kid having huge debates as to whether or not he's black because it's so, it's so, um, it, it's so, it, he could be tanned, he could be black. It's so, you can't tell and people would, I remember saying so much like, of course he's black, he's definitely black. And it's like, no, he's, he's Japanese, he's not black at all and stuff. And it's like, 
you know, a lot of these characters are written by people who aren't who aren't black or or you know have met that many black people to to know whether or not it how to represent them. So like you, I can think on the top of my head, I can think of three black characters from my favorite animes, and they're all dead. You know, they've all they've all either been killed uh, or sacrificed themselves for the pr- protagonist. And, um, you know, it's so funny because growing up, anime was so popular amongst black kids, especially black boys. I, I like, I like had a really good group of friends and we were all black. And it was like anime was something we loved, like Dragon Ball, um, Hunter Hunter, and all, the, all, all these shows we would just get so excited about. And it's like, we're, hot, we're not really represented there. And it's like, why, why is there such a fascination with it? I think it's because, you know, the worlds are based on more fantastical stuff instead of, you know, everyday lives like you get in more Western shows. So it's easier for us to, you know, want to associate with that because it's like, well, you know, it's not about being black or white. It's about whether or not you're staying or you can train to become the strongest character and stuff like that. But then when you get down to it, it's like, yeah, but you you still can't see yourself in this. Or when you do, you've got a specific role to play. Like, uh, I mean, the first black character, someone can tell me if I'm wrong, but the first black character I think you see in Hunter x Hunter is a, is a butler. Uh, she's she's a she's a female butler, and I screamed at the TV because uh, half of me was so excited because she like she had grades and everything. She was a really cool character, but the other side was like she's a butler. Like I haven't seen any black character in the show, and then she shows up and she's a butler, and um, yeah, it it, it just it kind of it kind of misses um, with your idea. Like like Tanya said, a lot of people have you know such a, a, a romanticized view on anime and um, it's hard to you know uh, as, a, as a as a black person to say anything negative about the characters represented because there's a lot of backlash like no that the films are incredible and the films are incredible and they're beautiful and everything but it's just you know they uh, like I still feel like a lot of black people in those films are visual gimmicks um usually like they're either like dragon ball not dragon ball z dragon ball was very known for you know having black people be like the big chubby rubber lip guy in the background or something or like the guy who would like goku might like run past and then like they'd get whooshed and like whoa what's going on or something like a funny joke that would just you know pass by and then you wouldn't see them again or something and then it would it would go back onto the really macho light-skinned guys and everything and um yeah i just I'm, I'm i'm just really trying to crack my brain trying to think of like one black character that i've seen in a lot of the shows i've watched that has stood out as like nah he's really great and the, the one i can think of is one in jojo who's actually called muhammad but then you know I don't, I don't like he dies so you know it's like it's the same thing it's just it's always like a bit of a like he was called Muhammad and I just was like I can't believe this this is like this is the best thing in the world and it was just like nah you're, you're okay it's not it's not it's just, it's just always it's always like we serve a purpose you know um yeah
Um, yeah, so going on on the colorism thing. So growing up as a teenager, I I did watch like loads of anime, and every time there was like a black person or was meant to be black, um, they were very either light skinned or they would have blue eyes or they would have blonde hair. Not to say that black people don't have different color eyes as well, but there was always, I guess, that romanticization of like if you're black, you kind of have to be mixed with something else to then be like special. Um, yeah, I just like, but I'm hoping that it's kind of getting better with like more anime once they, yeah, maybe have more, uh, I don't know, like awareness. I'm just something that, um, like Mo said, that kind of reminded me of, um, yeah, like how the people, the characters of colour will usually be like sacrificial lambs in some shape or form to usually the white um, lead character. But also that character is allowed to get away with so much crap and be so flawed in so many ways, but still be so loved. And so when I think of characters like Goku, who is just a ridiculous person in so many levels, like if he was just somebody in real life, how he would get away with treating people the way that he does and just running away from his family and children all the time was just beyond me but yet he was just like so loved and okay to just get away with everything whereas a person of character color will have to be at the highest standard they will not allow to screw up in the same way because if they screw up in the same way then they are done like they are cancelled they are forgotten and so like one of my I don't know if it's controversial maybe not but one of my favorite animated characters especially in the last few years is Korra from um Last Airbender like I I love her as a character and I love the show for multiple reasons, especially wanting to be an earthbender. But I think, I think she's brilliant in terms of her race. They still haven't, I guess they haven't really confirmed, but um, the idea is I think that she's either kind of um, native American or Inuit or Samoan. Um, but for me, I think she's a brilliant character because she exists just as a character that I've never seen any instance of, um, just race coming into it in any shape or form but also she is so flawed in so many ways that I've never seen a female character let alone a female character of colour be allowed to be in an animated show or just in any show to be quite mm. honest there are so many things like she's got so many especially like in the early seasons like she's got so many um, again like Goku-esque type tendencies just loads of these little things that I that just I don't know that you never associate um, with a female character and she's still the lead character. I know there are a lot of people that did not like her for those traits. And I find that really interesting because I wonder if these, if these traits were carried over to a white male character, if people would have the same kind of issues. Um, usually when it's a female character, a character of color or any, anything else, like I think it's easier for people to kind of jump up and say, oh, well, this character, she's just annoying or this, that and the other. So I think it's, again, that impact um, the kind of impact that a lot of these things have on how we then perceive certain characters or allow um, how we allow characters to be as a result. Like we create characters of colour and by we, I mean, they create characters of colour that are typically one dimensional, which means that they're only allowed to ever be one thing within that box so whenever they're outside of that and then if anything else, this ruffles people quite a bit and they struggle to accept this character being something else or being allowed to be something else. Ash? Yeah, adding on to what everyone else was saying about, um, especially about uh, 
how black people are portrayed in anime. Um, I think one of the most difficult things that I watched recently was um, The Promised Neverland, which has uh, a character called Sister Crone. And I don't know if any of you guys have watched it, but it's definitely one of the worst uh, portrayals to come out recently, I think, and how racially kind of caricatured she is. Um, and it's it's exhausting. Like, I mean, I'm not black, but I can only imagine what it's like to constantly see that, especially when you are a big fan of anime. And and also the point about Goku is completely valid. He's he's a really bad father. He um <laughs> he's he's not a great guy really. Uh, but um yeah, it's it's just exhausting. And um I think it is I guess largely down to Japan being mostly. Uh, I think the term is uh, monolithic. Is that the term mono, monoracial? Like mostly, you know, it's not super integrated. Um, but I think um, it, it is hard to, to look over things that you really enjoyed growing up and, and to really break down the effect that they can have on you. Like with Mr. Popo from Dragon Ball, like um, it was only when I was a bit older that I looked back at that character and was just like shocked by by how terrible that depiction is. Um, well, I think I think we are starting to see more um, out of America of uh, characters who are um, not white. Like uh, um, there's a lot more TV series. Like um, Craig of the Creek has like an all black cast. Um, I think there's a couple of other main white characters, but it's central around Craig. Um, and then like uh, Kipo um, and the Age of the Wonder Beasts. I'm not sure. I think she's mixed race, the main character, but. And then the two other characters are black, and um, I think America is starting to make more of a conscious effort. However, I will say I think there with the increase in efforts to make um, more media around non-white characters, we're also getting a lot of um, seeing a lot of uh, stories about um, people of color, but everybody running the show or running the production is white. Um, like I know there was that uh, announcement for that. I think it's a Netflix film. I think Glenn Keane and uh, another guy whose name escapes me are directing it, but it's all about like East Asian culture. It's all about East Asian mythology and it's directed by uh, a couple of, couple of white guys. And that's not completely a problem, but like you think that they would at least have, you know, another Asian director as a lead, especially it's entirely about Asian mythology. And um, so I think, something I'd like to see more of is like when there are stories about us being told that we're also involved with the storytelling um, because you know that's it's like taking it's like it feels performative it's like you're taking our culture and you're trying to tell it for us and I think it's with the best of intentions but um, it would be a lot more uh, it would mean a lot more and it would probably be and probably improve the overall uh, quality of the thing to have actual people of colour on the production. Tanya? Um, it's, it's just really interesting listening to what everyone's saying about um, anime, especially. Um, thinking about um, how Bimpy saw The Last Airbender and what she assigned those characters compared with what I, how I assigned it. But Mo talking about Brock in Pokemon made me laugh a lot actually because I was thinking about how I I think that anime in anime the characters look like white people I don't ever think they're Japanese I just never think that because they don't look like me like I don't if you're talking about Edward Elric or something like that like 
I don't look like Edward Elway. <laughs> like, I don't look like Wayne Rooney. So for me, it was like always like they were making stories about white people. I never assigned East Asian to these characters. Like, not even Ash in Pokemon, not that I watched it a lot. Because the girl was ginger, right? So I was just like, oh, they must be white people. They must be like America or something. Um, but I know Japanese people think they're all Japanese. But the one character I was like, he's Asian, was Brock. <laughs> I was like convinced. I was like, he's definitely Asian. Like he had the dark, especially coming from like Southeast Asian country, like he had the darker skin. I was like, oh yeah, he's definitely like one of us. So it's really interesting hearing like how everybody sort of reasons growing up, like they're just trying to desperately find themselves anywhere, I think. Um, but also I think um, a huge industry that we've not really touched on is um, Chinese animation. And China is going to put out so much stuff, like it's funding so much British stuff, like um, Lao Bao Bei, like the Cloth Cat series, like, you know, that's Chinese funding and that's why it's a Chinese family. And it's similar to Japan in that, you know, they're not particularly mixed culturally. It's such a huge market. They don't have to think about making it diverse because China's a big enough market that if they can sell it there, they're happy. So we're going to see a lot more, I think, of... Chinese animation with Chinese new characters. And I think, um, this is gonna sound harsh, my end, but I think the West is just gonna have to start sucking it up because they're gonna have to get used to not seeing themselves in the foreground of all this stuff. Because, you know, you look at the stuff, I mean, Bimpy was mentioning like Nigerian you know, animation and as I mentioned like students in Jamaica. And I went to Russia and I saw, you know, obviously Russia would be predominantly white, like the animation, but the quality and the diversity of their animation is astounding. And I think we're only going to see more of that from like Africa and the Caribbean and East Asia and Southeast Asia as well. Um, and South Asia probably as well. Like I'm sure India must be outputting a lot of stuff. Um, and I think that's going to be the new norm. And it will be interesting to see what happens when um, representation on screen is flipped um, I know like Korean drama is obviously very popular everywhere at the moment, but I think when it becomes a sort of more regular thing, how will people respond when their kids are watching TV series that are made in China and the main character is Chinese and it's about Chinese mythology and it's about Chinese history, like how will people here react? And I think that's going to be a really interesting thing to sit back and watch. Esther? Sorry. Uh... I generally forgot what I was going to say. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, <no worries. laughs> point was really good. Just sorry, go on. Carol. No worries, Bimpy. Um, just following on from something that um Ash had said. Um, in terms of yeah, having more people of color actually kind of behind the screen, like as directors or as writers in telling a lot of these stories, because again, you're going to get a lot more from it. And what you also get from it is not just the romanticized version, because that's all we see is the romanticized version, which again, continues to perpetuate a lot of these romanticized ideas about certain parts of the world. By having people that are actually within those cultures, you're able to tell these stories kind of like as they are, warts and all. And that's not a bad thing, knowing what the kind of, not the negatives, but knowing what the maybe darker aspects are of certain things to get to know a culture a lot more you have to know it in its well-rounded state so to speak because again it's it's diverse and again you're not putting it into one box and saying it has to look a certain way and what Tanya was saying as well about um 
kind of seeing more people of color um, on screen um, in terms of Chinese, the Chinese market, Chinese animation kind of coming to the forefront. People already get really, um, well, non-people of color already get quite annoyed um, with there already being like, okay, well, this character, this white character is now being replaced by this character of color. People, I've seen people be up in arms and going nuts in terms of like, well, how can they do this? How can they do that? And equating it to this sudden um, quote unquote, like white erasure. And it's, it, it's, in, it's interesting seeing that. It's interesting seeing people act in that way when nothing is being taken away. But also you can see that they're not able to even consider the fact that many of us have never even seen ourselves represented in any shape or form or are still only just have made do with just seeing one of us or something like that like on screen for such a long period of time and so now now that there is starting to be a shift there's just this sudden uproar whereas we've just like had to sit and like be used to it like for most of our lives so it's interesting seeing people react in that way and also what Tanya was saying about um It'll be interesting seeing how people react when they're watching when kids are seeing the main characters being like Asian or whoever um, watching these shows kind of growing up and with a lot of these cultural stories being told if it is if there is cultural stories being told within them in theory they're already getting that they've just been made palatable in my opinion they've just been watered down in some shape or form and they've just been kind of westernized a lot of these stories and a lot of these narratives have just been westernized to become more digestible in some shape or form and again help give that more more romanticized version of a part of the world so it will be yeah it will be really really interesting to see when these stories are being told authentically how people will react to that because it a lot of these stories won't be the kind of um princessified versions that they've seen before or that they've grown up with before but that's how the story always should have been told in the first place so yeah those reactions will be very interesting and lastly mel <laughs> Okay, so um, looking at the time uh, is the last question. And um, just picking up on stuff that Ash said in terms of representation behind screen as well, um, and what this platform is here for to improve the representation or just give people the information to get more of us behind the scenes to eventually then have more diversity on screen how do you guys think we should go about this how do we help the people in power get us into positions or just what do you think that needs to be done to improve representation on and off the screen Beth I think that's such a big question <laughs> and so many different solutions some maybe like you not even figured out yet i think it's discussing the questions first of all like having these kind of panels making it clear and aware to everybody that it's just really important what are the effects of not having your you know your 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 ethnicity represented on screen or seeing your ethnicity on screen represented as one character trait um i think I have so many thoughts. <laughs> you know, there's, there's so many things like when you have employers uh, give out short-term contracts or internships, it's really important, like, you know, first, first of all, for internships to be paid, but also to keep in mind that it's not just about fulfilling, like, a quota, like a checkbox. It's like, yes, I've done, like, my, my part here. It's just like, I'm just going to hire this um, Asian person, I'm just going to hire that black person because at the same time, when you still have short-term contracts, you're still only reaching out to people who 
you know, are, are still privileged to be able to financially afford maybe a short-term contract and not something that's even longer because someone who, who needs to be financially stable, they'll still put, pick like a job stacking shells for a much longer term contract rather than something that's only like a month long or two weeks long. I think it's important to have um, people represented at every single stage of production. It's important to have uh, your story like evaluated and like thought about at every single stage of production as well to make sure like, why is this person this color or why is this person doing that? You know, it's, it's just such a, such a big question. Mel? Um, yeah, <coughs> essentially, um, you know, Bev kind of hit it in the nail on the head, but the question is huge. Um, I feel like, you know, ultimately, like the easiest, well, easiest way to say an answer is just like a complete dismantling of like society and like the system and rebuild it from the beginning. But if we're going to try and keep it something that's achievable in maybe one or two lifetimes, like it's it's got to be like, People have to be able to see, you know, like people have to look, like be able to look like outside of themselves and just like accept that everything is is shit. Like it, it, they have to accept that it's all really like so skewed in one direction. But that is a question that like you know we're asking it now. But like you know, to even like for some people to even comprehend that reality is just like. It's like when you see like Cthulhu and you're like, you're, you're light on fire. Like it's such an insane concept for some people, you know, and these, pe and these people are like in power, you know? Like, so it's like, you know, how do we, how do we change that? You know? But if we're going to talk about in the industry, I mean, I guess it's, I don't know. It really comes down to that because you need people that can't afford to like, I, I mean, uh, industry is expensive. Like if people that can't afford to like have the equipment, you know, you're going to, you're going to, it's going to be like, a struggle and it's always a, it's always a struggle like you know we're, we're used to the struggle but like you know it'd be nice to like see like one generation of kids like not have to like struggle to just like be able to like have some tech to like you know because everything's going to be tech everything's going to be digital you know you, you, you know like trying to get like a 14 year old kid like you know to learn like tech to like learn photoshop i mean i guess you get like an educational version but you're still going to pay for it you know and if you live in like the hood you have to like if you, you know don't want you can't make that much money like how are you going to like justify getting Photoshop or like learning, spending like hundreds of hours learning how to draw, you know, animation. Cause it's like, people think it's like an art, art skill, but it's like, it's technical, it's technical stuff. Like you, you don't just like, I want to draw. So I'm going to be animated. Like it's like hardcore, um, you know, like work. And like, you know, as a kid, like when you start to understand that you, you can see the kids that like start to really understand that like, it's not just, like it's it's like it's the the drive is there, but when you when you have to worry about so many issues that are just like about survival, how is how are you gonna like promote the arts, you know? So it's just a very deep and complicated answer that needs to be looked at upon like in so many facets. It's just such a complicated situation. Benpe. Yeah, as the guys have said already, there's so many different levels to it, to be quite honest. But definitely, first and foremost, it needs to carry on being an ongoing discussion within every company. They can't just assume, OK, well, we've mentioned this or we've posted about this square or we've posted, posted that. Therefore, our work is done. No, it's got to be an ongoing discussion constantly. And people have got to be used to having those conversations and they've got to be used to being uncomfortable with having those conversations because it can be uncomfortable because 
they're not used to they're not used to doing it but again we've already had to experience that so it needs to kind of it needs to just reverberate everyone needs to keep having those discussions um but also in terms of what mel was saying that yeah this isn't a cheap industry to get to it requires a, a lot like yeah having like being able to have a computer access to a computer or a laptop and then being able to buy, get the programs even with an educational license now a lot of those educational licenses require you to be going to university to in order to even get that license because they need proof that you're at university what if you can't go to university or what if you haven't gone to university does that then cut you off from being able to get that license so companies also need to be willing to put their money where their mouth is. If they are serious about making a change, they have to be willing to invest and they need to recognize that a part of this is going to be a long-term thing, a long-term strategy. Whilst you're rebuilding that structure, that will take some time. It can't just, it, some of it, there are things that can be done um, on a kind of um, low hanging fruit level, but there are other things that structurally need rebuilding and those are the parts that will take time. So in terms of company invest, companies invest it can't just be okay well I'm donating some and some amount to this charity like what what then happens to that money what are you doing as a company here and right now to kind of help um on the ground so to speak like what are people actually doing on the ground instead of just giving money to a charity which is definitely beneficial but there, there's more that you can do and take reins of so as a company you can hold yourselves accountable and every company should hold themselves accountable so for me that looks like mentoring opportunities um sponsorship opportunities again those are things that can that every company can and should be committing to in some shape or form and having the drive to reach out to like there are so many schools like i'm in the southeast there are so many schools the southeast is incredibly racially diverse so there are so many schools primary schools secondary schools that all you need to do is partner with form those bonds and relationships with and set up schemes set up mentorship schemes set up sponsoring sponsorship schemes that allow you to be paired up with other kids um, from different backgrounds that you can be mentoring throughout their career and, and supporting them in some shape or form when the time comes that they need equipment or if they need some funding to help them be able to get a certain program then the company is able to provide for that that is how we're going to be able to sustainably at least help in rebuilding some of the foundations so we may not see the results right now right the second but in about 10 15 years from now we'll start to see hopefully some of that talent coming through and alongside that a lot of that confidence coming through with it as well because they're not just going to walk into this industry being the only one of a certain race in that space and therefore automatically feeling a certain way because that's that is for what a majority of us feel like we know that we're going into these spaces as the only one. And that's already a lot of weight to carry in various, for various reasons, whether or not we're scared that we can't speak up as a result or that we feel like we have to overperform or that we need to perform in a certain way in order for it to not have an impact on um, whether or not they choose to hire somebody else of our racial background, or we may feel that like they're carrying our entire race on our shoulders so we don't let them down in some shape or form. By rebuilding this structure and kind of instilling that confidence in kids straight away from the get-go, hopefully by the time they walk into this industry, they'll be feeling confident about what it is that they can do and what they will do. But also they won't be walking into it anyway as the only one because there'll be plenty of other people around them that look like them because this has been something that would hopefully have worked. Tanya? Um, yeah, just coming off what Bimpy has just said, like I think um, it's really important that we um, we do understand we're in this for the long run and this isn't like a short-term thing that we're only doing because it's in the news and it seems like the woke thing to do or whatever. I think like 
you know, it's like Mel was saying, like, it's, it's a bit depressing. Like, I think when I came into this industry, and this is part of the reason why I wanted to set up this platform, like, when I came into the industry, I honestly thought it was going to be like a really diverse, open, fun place. Like, I'm going to see so many different kinds of people. I'm not going to be the only one doing this thing. You know, there won't be anything standing in my way if I work hard. And unfortunately, not the case, um, not entirely the case. But I think us having these conversations and us raising these issues now and if we keep at it then hopefully it won't be the case for much longer and yes it will take probably at least 15 years before we actually see this being realistically different um, and that is a shame but from someone who spent now 10 years in the industry this year it is better than it was already um, I honestly hand on heart I think I really believe that and I think we can only get better at this so I really hope that if somebody's listening to this and they think they can't make a difference they don't they don't feel like that and if they feel like this isn't somewhere they belong then they don't feel like that either because you know when I see younger people graduates coming in it always seems more diverse the gender balance is always better so you know it, it is improving it's the first thing I wanted to say um but definitely I think it does you know improving animation like these guys have said like it is down to what we see behind the screen. Employers need to be open to these conversations. They need to be having these conversations. I understand not everyone has the budget to employ somebody who looks different at every single level. But if that is the case, then you need to think of a creative way where you can go and ask another opinion. Don't just assume you know it. Like, you know, actively be open and listen. Because so I have been in studios where somebody has called out how um how white and male uh, a production was and they got shut down for it like somebody was like oh that's not true it's like you know you, you're not you're not even engaging with that on any level you've just shut it off before the conversation's even begun and that can't be the case anymore and we have to call that out as a community and i know it's really difficult but i think that is if we're honest about wanting to see a difference in this and we're honest about really caring about our industry then I think that is vitally important and just quickly I've never thought about this before but since Bimpy mentioned it earlier I think I would love 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 to see animation from around the world more freely like I don't even know where to look for like African animation where do I even find that why isn't there a festival for that there should be like I the reason I always go on about the festival in Russia was because it was so different to anything I had seen here. Like I've been to like Annecy, Stuttgart, London Animation Festival. Like I'm not, you know, obviously very good work. Pictoplasma as well. Like it is kind of all the same stuff, and I do find it quite boring. And then when I went to Russia, I was like, oh my god! Like there are no rules here. Like people are just doing what they want to make. And like, you know, when I see Korean animation, it's the same. And I think all this stuff that's coming out from the rest of the world must be the same. It must be so inspiring and refreshing. And I think it's a whole new perspective that we have not been able to watch. And that would only improve how we then represent other cultures, I think. So I really hope somebody, because I don't know how to do that, but I hope somebody is listening and goes, I'm going to make an animation festival for that because I'll come. I think it'll be great. <laughs> Ash? Yeah, I think uh, Tanya already co covered a lot of what I was going to say, but um, 
I think that studios also need to recognize that the work is going to be yeah, long term. You can't just, um, you know, send out one email about like, oh, guys, I'm sorry, we know that our studio isn't very representative. You have to, yeah, it's ongoing work and um, you can't let your, a lot of places have spoken up about it, but you can't just let it be performative. Um, you have to accept that there's no quick solution. There's no quick fix. Things are definitely getting better, but um, there's still a long way to go. And yeah, the work needs to be constant from all from people at all levels, like um, especially higher ups. They're the ones with the most power. Um, and yeah, let people of colour tell our own stories as well. I know there's a, a big push for more diverse stories in the West. And I think it's important that they're headed by, you know, the people that they are portraying. Um, and uh, yeah, I'd also like to see more of this uh, animation from all over the world. I think that would be great. Um, I don't, I don't know if there's a, a legal way to do, do that. <laughs> I would like to know it. Um, yeah, that's all I really had to say on that. Um, I'm going to just add my little two cents before I pass it on to the next person. I think I'm probably the newest person into this industry out of everybody in this call. And I think what I've learned so far is that there is a lot of comfort in animation that everybody loves to kind of work with the people that they work with it's safe it's easy you know how they're going to work and you know that they'll bring the output out but um i've worked on a couple things that experience isn't the best <laughs> like people with more experience created more headache in the production than those who we deemed less than because they had less experience and I think um I think studios in general need to let this go um just because someone's new doesn't mean they're incapable just because they look different to you doesn't mean that they don't know how to do the job or they're not they don't not want to do the job they they want to do the job and they are capable of doing the job i was just i was gonna say um there is momentum now i feel like we're being listened to our voices are being heard last 10 years have been like it's been a rapid change like you know shows have been made recently that i couldn't have imagined like i think at the beginning of the uh, the last decade, uh, that was when Cora was made, and it's like the change in like American shows since then has like been insane. And then like you know, you like shows like JoJo and Grand Grand. Now I couldn't imagine that being done ten years ago at all. And I think like you guys have said before, like companies need to realize like this isn't one and done you know you can't just do one thing and then be like we're, we're a good company we're just, we're just gonna move on like this needs to be a constant reassessment and like you people companies need to be way more braver in pushing through i think there's a lot of negative backlash uh bimpy said something for a previous question it's like uh when we see uh like characters of color being put as protagonists now you get a lot of backlash online and it's the mentality that putting a character of color as a main protagonist is taking away from a white character for example there's that debate going on about like whether james bond could be a black character and it's like no no he has to be white because that's taking away from a white character as opposed to giving uh, a person of color a chance to 
be in the spotlight. I think that slight switch to a mentality just changes so much negativity into a positivity. It stops people from feeling like, oh no, you're taking away from me. I, can't, I need this. I need this for me, as opposed to, wait, this is something we can share. You know, um, uh, like you guys also mentioned about like universities, like it's so expensive. It's such a difficult thing to, it's such a difficult thing for you to pay for three, four years at uni and then buy yourself the equipment and then go to a job that may offer you an internship. Internships are lovely. They're amazing opportunities, but they're also usually quite short term and they don't pay that much. And um, Beverly mentioned this as well. It's like, would you go for that if you know you can have a long term um, job somewhere else and you know you're going to get more money especially if like you know like I can speak for personal um, um, experience like I was still living with my family when I was first getting into the industry so it wasn't just me I was worrying about you know I was helping out with the house I was helping out with the shopping stuff like that and it's like you know if a lot of other people who are trying to get in have to worry about their family as well while also is it a risk for me to take this internship is it going to lead somewhere i think there needs to be more of a, a a safety net like you need to let these people come into the industry and know listen you have a job here we're going to try and help you this is still part of your 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 learning your, we, we want you to learn on a job we want you to know that after this internship we want to keep you on like that needs to be said up front because this is a risk for people you know this isn't something people can just be like a lot of people do have the privilege to be able to i'll oh, just take an internship for three months if it doesn't go anywhere it doesn't go anywhere but you know for a lot of other people and i can say this from experience it's not always just like I can just jump onto the next job. It's like, this is my one and only chance. And like, you know, going to more universities, expanding the places where you go and look for students or potential talent, that can be great. Like a lot of these people can't go to uni, you know, uni is really expensive. Um, and like, you know, the conversation needs to keep happening. We need to keep making a fast. We need to keep like going online, letting people know that we want to be seen and we want to be heard. This isn't just like, you know, I don't, I, I think the worst thing is that there's been a lot of horrible things that have happened this year in terms of like discrimination and racial abuse and stuff. And I think the worst thing that can happen is that this um, momentum just dies with this year as in like we see a bit of it getting better and then it just slowly goes back to um, status quo it's it just it's a constant battle and it is sad to say because I don't like to use the word like battle because I don't want it to sound like it's a fight against the man and we're always going to be trying or we're always going to be the underdog or something but it's something that needs to continue and it needs to be constantly in your social feeds if you're getting annoyed with seeing these things on like instagram or facebook or something then that's why there's still an issue you know like the fact that people are like oh another black lives matter thing or another thing about diversity that's the reason why it's still here because people still don't want to listen to it people still don't want to hear about it they want to like just brush it to the side and hope that it eventually disappears and it's like no this is here and it's going to stay and we need to just keep this momentum going F? just uh just wanted to say like that was such a good idea earlier i can't uh, can't remember who's, oh tanya you were saying about wanting to see like animation all around the world and 
Um, I don't know if any of you guys this year subscribed to Annecy Online and thought that was such a great way of making it accessible to even like just the general audience to begin with because the most most audiences don't realize that there's more animation than just Disney, Pixar, DreamWorks, whatever. Um, and 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 yes, I agree. A lot of things are improving. There's more like um, diversity and representation on TV, um, but it's still not very accessible in 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 a very simple way. And I think, oh, guys, I'll make an online animation festival. Like <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> I'll get get take entries from like every single country. <laughs> Love that, Esther. Um, that's a really good point. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Animation Festival. Um, I think, um, so with pitching, there's so many, there's people that I get online say that, oh, I have a really amazing idea that I want to make an animation show. Even sometimes it's like a friend or a family. But I think there's not enough education and like how much work goes into it and how expensive it is and yeah, how long it takes. Um, there needs to be more, I feel like I'm still trying to learn myself of like pitching and how to get a show running. And I feel like that sort of information is still very hidden. Um, there's only some animation studios where they will allow you to like pitch or if they if they want to pitch an idea to another company they will allow you to like make maybe a concept work for it but it's really really rare and I think um, in order for the animation industry to be better like higher up because um, there's loads of issues like education there needs one, there needs to be education, university and companies need to somehow communicate a lot better. And once you're in the industry to get into higher up positions, I think there needs to be um, just uh, maybe like just a playing field or like, I feel like everyone should have that opportunity to pitch because at the moment it's just people who are probably more wealthy um, and who have the connections it's all about connections in the animation industry and I feel like there's still that gap that I'm even myself don't quite understand on how to like make my idea come forward or like and I'm sure I'm, I don't know how you guys feel about that um in terms of like trying to get your ideas to I mean they're probably at early stages as well and I think that's another thing of like when you're making an idea for an animation show or even just like a short like how do you how do you get your team and like where do you find different um people from different um sectors of like animation like sound or like producing like I feel like um yeah it's just not it's just not explained until like you're you're doing it which can not maybe not happen for years Tanya I just wanted to quickly chime in on that because I've been interested in doing development for quite a few years and everywhere I go I try and prod the production staff and get little nuggets of information and I think it's it's an interesting point and I think like a lot of our discussions have been talking about studios but I think a lot of this as well falls on the broadcasters and funding bodies uh, to understand how big an issue this is because sometimes it's not actually even the studio that's the issue it's the broadcaster and the demand for the content and I have worked in so many places where they've told me that an idea hasn't been picked up because for that age group, they don't want a female lead 
regardless of ethnicity or even if it's like an animal like if it's a girl they just assume boys won't want to watch it so they won't even look at your idea um and if you know in the uk we we do require a lot of external funding so even if we have a public broadcaster on board um they only put put, put in a percentage of the budget which means that we have to find external sources of income and that is another tricky issue because if you go outside the uk the issues to race are completely different um, and they're not, not not necessarily in a good way so if you pitch like a, a series of black character in they'll be like oh but we've we've already got a black character in this other tv show that we're putting on at 3 a.m in the morning we don't need another one like so because there's just so many stages it, it this is like a you know like mal said this is like the system as a whole it is not built to work for us it is built to work for the people who have who benefit from it most and um that is just all i wanted to say because i know like it is it's very confusing within the uk when you're young and you're in the industry and you you have all these ideas <laughs> like um again like i don't want to put people off because i think sometimes you'll get you'll get told no and it's not necessary that somebody doesn't like your idea it's just it's not the flavor of the month or they already have a character that looks like that or whatever rubbish you know um it's just important to stick at it i think i'm saying that i haven't ever had a tv series picked up but um yeah. fingers crossed hopefully yeah. soon yeah. soon um but esther you do have a point in there it as a person who gets to sit in the office and hear the conversations and be a part of those conversations it is it's hard to then pass that information on to people of colour, my friends, even having conversations with Tanya about show ideas and telling her little whispers. I don't think they're looking for any animals, birds for a minute. No bird shows. No one was allowed to pitch any bird show whatsoever because broadcasters and everybody just had enough. So no birds. Um, so having the connections and being in those rooms um, I think people like me who finally are in those rooms, it's also hard for us to talk up because it's like, uh, I've only just been given permission to be in this room and what can I, can I say and what can I not say um, is genuinely how I feel sometimes. And have I spoken up? Yes. Are there more people of colour who I work with on a more regular basis now? Yes. Have I worked with some of you in this chat? Yes. And um, do I get to see your faces again? And I have I worked with you guys again on another project? Yes. So I think it is also on us to be the best that we are. And also we are representations for people who also look like us. Um, but I guess this is the end of our conversation, guys. Um, thank you all. It, it's pretty intense for a Sunday afternoon, but um, definitely a conversation that's needed. And yeah, we'll see.